0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: Welcome to Big News Sports. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller. A national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Wow. Did this week
2: just fly by? It just seemed like last yesterday we were talking leading up to the Masters. Which is absolutely incredible And now here it is is um, It's a week past Good Friday So anyway, uh, welcome into the program Got a lot of stuff lined up for you Really uh, not like last weekend with the Masters and all But a pretty big weekend overall Alabama's scrimmaging This afternoon. So, um, don't know that we can actually check in on that because we'll be on the air, but that is something of note uh, concerning Alabama football. Uh, Big news. When I read this this morning, I I literally got excited. Eli Gold is planning on being back in the booth for game one of the 2023 season after missing last. So, uh, talk about that here in just a little bit. But um, glad, glad to hear that Eli has just gone through hell. Uh, physically over the past year and a half or so. Um, Eli and I have been friends for 40 years, and I read this news with glee, to be very honest with you. Also, the USFL is back in action. The Stallions and Generals will be at Protective Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, one of the original members of the Birmingham Stallions and their team, uh, the old USFL between 83 and 45, um, Herb Spencer, who is just a, dyna- just a-, a dynamo linebacker, And he, too, I'm not just name dropping here all over the place, but he and I have been good friends and remain good friends since, um, gee, the, uh, (laughs) the first year, maybe going back all the way to Daytona and their first ever training camp. Um, But that is big news. And then, you know, you got Alabama-Auburn baseball this weekend. Some notes coming out of golf from the RBC, Heritage Classic. Um, New helmet for quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that is very, very significant. A note on Alabama basketball. And then is the Bud Light controversy going to lead to loss in sports sponsorships? That, $88 million, that's a whole lot for the Bud Light controversy. Anyway, Joe, I read this morning, I know you've been around and you know Eli Gold, but I was really, really happy to see. He told WNSP, which is a Mobile Sports Talk station, he told them that he wants to be back in the fall. And with all regards and respect to Chris Stewart, I think most Alabama fans are very glad to read that.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you 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 always want the legend to go out on his own terms. You don't want anyone, uh, especially the man at, 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 with the status that Eli Gold has to be, be be forced off a microphone or be forced off of their passions due to due to health issues. So, yeah, just just thrilling to see him uh really planning to be back in the booth th- this fall and, and I think that's encouraging for if you know for for all the Alabama fans. I think that's going to be a, a great thing. That way Eli can if he wants to go another year, three Years, five years, ten years—he can make his own choices. I think that that's what we all want uh, our legends to do.
2: He said he may have to use a walker, and he said, "Big deal. I'm a big boy. I'll get up there. I can do that. I can use a walker. I say I mean, he's he's a talker, not a walker. When you <laughs> want to get down to it, but uh, I don't think. And and Eli did hint on this in the course of the interview. Um, I did know most of what Eli was going through. But I know that Eli and the Golds are a very, very private family. I respected that. But um, he had leg issues to the point where one morning he couldn't get up and walk both legs. He said they just didn't work. He went to bed. They were fine. He woke up. Uh, he spent countless days, months in hospitals and rehab facilities uh, with his legs. Um, he had a shoulder problem, hip problem. And then in the course of all this, they discovered he had cancer, and he is about to undergo his final chemo treatment. And having seen that firsthand with my wife, chemo is literally poison, and that's, that's its purpose. It poisons your body in order to get rid of the cancer. In the process, it just turns you into a weak, feeble, uh, and uh, <laughs> very much in pain person. So all of this is very, very good news. And uh, we'll give him a day or two or week and uh, we'll get Eli on the show and we'll find out again Matt, we'll, firsthand. Let
3: me butt in and ask you, what are some of the like your most memorable Eli moments? Because to me, whenever I think about Eli Gold, I think about the roses in this grand old stadium or uh. once again, crimson.
2: You know, when I first met him, he had moved to Birmingham. He had been doing the St. Louis Blues hockey games for TV, I think. But he was a part of their broadcast team. He loved hockey, grew up in New York. Um, he is a huge Rangers fan. Um, but he came here to do the old original Birmingham Bulls. And in the course of that, he also started doing the Birmingham Barons. And really, he he kind of cut his teeth on broadcasting. Oh, he'd done some in New York and certainly with the NHL. Um, he loved Birmingham. He loved its people. And this was long before um, John Forney had retired. And so John Forney was the legend before the legend. So, uh, yeah, I have a lot of memories because we used to travel on the road a lot together. Uh, I have had many dinners, in fact, vacationed with Eli and Claudette and Lise. Um, But (laughs) I think what I really of the many things that Eli does while he broadcasts, first of all, I, I know a lot of play by play guys. I would include myself on that list. But the entire key to doing uh, play-by-play is your ability to describe an event spontaneously. And if you ever watch a game, you want to sit down and try and do it yourself, it's, it's not the easiest of tasks. But one of the things that you can do in order to ensure a good broadcast is to prepare and over-prepare and prepare and prepare and prepare. The amount of time you spend on air, three hours, is exceeded greatly by about five to one on what you do in player and team research. And Eli is was the best I've ever seen at doing that, uh, very methodical in his preparation. And I watched him, and in fact, I learned from him. Uh, particularly on the way he did his charts and everything Uh, just uh, uh, his attention to detail was unparalleled
3: Wouldn't you say matt that most people um have a perception that they can do play by play but then if they got behind a microphone they would realize how 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 much more difficult it is than just saying oh five yard pass
2: No question. It's it's uh, a lot more difficult than it seems. And I spent a lot of my youth doing just that. And I was not very good at first, but repetition will help you. But as long as you ask, when I think about Eli, this is not even with Alabama, Uh, although he's had some brilliant moments at the mic for Alabama. And trust me, he knows. Let me say this. He knows that Alabama is important. And it is, from a broadcasting perspective, the most important thing in his life now. And he still does or was doing some peripheral broadcasts as well. But he loves Alabama more than the fans love him. And and that's difficult to say. But he truly does. And being away from the mic hurt him uh physically and mentally he's going to be so glad he's going to be giddy when he gets back into the booth so yeah and answer your first question a lot of people think they can do that just like you know what else a lot of people think they can run a restaurant that's bull okay um back when the barons were playing at rickwood he was doing uh play-by-play on i think it was wapi here in Birmingham, and. Um, he was just, and then you notice this in the broadcast, maybe not so much in Alabama, but back in more free form like with, with baseball. Um, he, he is an incredibly quick wit. And he, 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 he interjects it occasionally in Alabama broadcasts, but he's pretty much nuts and bolts when it comes down to that. But during a baseball game, as you know, Joe, there's a lot of downtime, uh, not as much as there used to be. But for some reason, this line always pops into my head. And he's reading, you know, a card, uh, a promotion, a liner. And he said in his uh, Brooklyn Bronx, he's from Brooklyn. um, He says, uh, Tuesday night is exchange club night. Oh, I need to preface this. I'm blowing the lead here. Um, Rare was the case that the Barons had a bad year, but they were having a horrible year. And it was past the midway point of the season, and Eli was reading his card, and he said, Tuesday night is exchange club night here at Rickwood Field. And he paused, and he went, gee, I hope we get Nashville.
3: (laughs) <laughs> it's still funny <laughs> christian what do you what, what do you remember about it, eli gold and just what's it going to mean to you oh, to have him we, back in the booth right. i know that you did some work this past year on, on on sidelines but eli was not a part of a part of that so kind of what about you, you what were some of your experiences with him when you played here and then i guess uh your prospects of working with him in the future
4: you know that's uh, so Eli, man, when you you think of Eli, you just think of Alabama football. You know, he represents Alabama football. When you watch those highlights, they always has they always have his his over, You know, um, playing and um, you know he he really is again. Like when I think of Alabama football, I always think of Eli Gold. And um, I got to to know him uh, more personally on the Crimson Tide cruise that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, he was there, and I got to hang out with him there and uh you know he's just a phenomenal person and uh even though he wasn't uh, a part of the broadcast this past season when when I was working with them you know after my first game doing the sideline report and he actually um reached out to someone and asked for my cell phone number and gave me a call personally and awesome yeah just to tell me that he was listening and he thought I did a very fine job and he was uh, extremely proud of me for um you know doing so well and, and that he's looking forward to. Uh, hopefully, being able to work with me and um, that meant a lot to me coming from him because again we're talking about a guy who's um, you know, the, the the top talent when it comes to you know these these broadcasts and um, for him to reach out personally, especially while he was you know dealing with what he was dealing with, um, truly meant a lot to me and um, so I can't say enough about you know the person that he is and obviously um, you know the, the the announcer the broadcaster you know he's he's phenomenal and uh, I'm just so excited that he's going to be back. In the booth, but I will also say, um, you know, working with Chris Stewart, Chris Stewart has, you know, helped me, um, you know, you know, learn so much um, in just a short amount of time, and he truly is special and talented as well in his own way. And I know a lot of fans have really appreciated appreciated his efforts and the the job that he's done filling in for Eli. So I really do. And I know they will find a role and, and you know, figure out, you know, what works out best. But um, I really hope everybody can still be involved and included because I think um, there's so much talent among, uh, you know, the, the broadcasters here. And uh, I think everybody should have a, you know, a, a role carved out for them because everybody is so deserving. And I think we have a, a really great team over there um, with the Crimson Tide Sports Network. So I'm, I'm really fortunate to be a part of it.
2: And Chris Stewart was slide back into his role, which was pretty prominent in the overall length of the broadcast, too. Uh, given the fact that uh, Eli is going to return in fall of uh, 23. Good news. Hey, the Stallions and the New Jersey Generals are going to square off Saturday night, and we all know and love our championship Stallions of the USFL this time in 2022-2023. But um, the first team will always be my favorite. One of their outstanding linebackers, Herb Spencer, is going to join us on the other side of this break. He was with them from 83, 84, 85. And he's quite a colorful guy, too, I might add. Hang on. You're listening to Big Noon Sports.
1: The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide
5: 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy, a few scattered showers are possible this afternoon, the high 68. Tonight, clearing with a low at 55. Tomorrow, partially sunny and warm, the high 81. Sunday, a good chance of showers, mainly during the morning hours, the high 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: The best sports talk in the state, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: Sports, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson is with family, enjoying the weekend uh, up in Washington, D.C. Actually, Christian Miller's in a studio, uh, two-time national championship linebacker at the University of Alabama. Speaking of linebackers, let's uh, join Herb Spencer, linebacker for the Birmingham Stallions, 83 84, 85. He is the uh, pride and joy of Newberry College. Herb, it's Matt and the gang. How are you?
6: Hey, Matt. I'm doing great doing great
2: you're coming in town for the opener tomorrow night um our, our special things going on i know they they're having a pep rally downtown i think right now
6: well it's exciting uh we a group of us got invited to come in and they're calling it uh honor the legend and uh we'll be downtown and um be on the field before opening kickoff i believe who else is coming I think uh, uh Jackie Klein will be there, Buddy Idolette, uh Joey Jones will be there. Uh our general manager Jerry Sklar, uh will be attending and I believe there might be one or two others but I'm not sure who that is.
2: Wow, you know that's a reunion for guys in the media too. <laughs> Cuz uh man you guys were so much fun to cover. What do you re- what's a t- walk me through this Herb? I don't think I in all our conversations ever asked you about this. What did you get? Did you get a phone call from Raleigh? How did you find out you were even going to be in the USFL?
6: Well, they, they had territorial drafts back then, Matt. It depended on where your college was located or where your last NFL experience was. And mine was at, at the New York Giants. And so the New Jersey Generals had my rights, So I was actually in camp with the Generals. And the day they signed Herschel Walker, they uh, brought him in. They traded me to Birmingham. So You know, my story is they couldn't afford both of us. They had to ship one of us off. So they they actually sent uh, me and another guy to Birmingham for one guy. So I got traded for half a guy. And uh, right after camp broke, I woke up and I was at the hotel on top of Red Mountain. And I was now a Birmingham Stallion. So that's how that went down.
4: Herb, if you were able to catch some of the Stallions games uh, from this past season, how would you say they compare to your time, um, playing for the stallions?
6: Well, I think, you know, for those individuals playing on the field, it was probably much the same. I mean, you're getting a chance to, to get paid for something you've been doing all your life. And now you're a professional football player. And that's meaningful in itself, you know, within that league, uh, our league was a little more unique in that, there was uh, individual ownership and there was they were wealthy individuals who were very competitive and uh, it opened up an alternative for those players from the NFL like Joe Cribbs Cliff Stout Jim Smith Jim Kelly you know they were competing for number 1 draft picks and Heisman trophy winners so i think initially the quality of our of our league was a little bit higher but i i still think that you know for the guys that are here now and playing for this league, it's just as meaningful for them as it was to us back there.
4: Absolutely. And when news broke that they were bringing the USFL back, how did that make you feel knowing that, um, a league that you once played in was going to be making a return?
6: You know, that was exciting. It was uh, disappointing the way our league folded up and, and ended, you know, with the lawsuit and the loss of the lawsuit and, uh, you know, hearing about, um, this league coming up and giving those players new opportunities. Um, you, you know what, what could be better than um, getting cut by the NFL and, and having the ability to go to another league and and continue your childhood game that you loved your whole life.
2: There were so many of you guys that left. In that unfortunate day in 85 when um, the lawsuit came down. Actually, the USFL won it and they got a dollar. It was just ludicrous. But anyway, um, a lot of you guys went on the NFL. Did you go to the Falcons maybe for a year? And then, you know, a lot of the guys like um, Jimmy Smith particularly, he went back and played several more years.
6: A lot of guys went on. Cliff went on. Joe Cripps went on. Um, I got signed. I had the same agent as Jim Kelly had. And I think it was, you know, uh, when they signed Jim Kelly, um, I got an offer from the Bills, and I went to the Bills, but they had broke, about to break camp at that time. So I got there with about four days left before camp broke, and um, really didn't get much of a look. So uh, I got cut there, that last cut, and then... Uh, went on and had a little stint with the Falcons during the strike. You know, that was another opportunity players had. But um, in the interim of time, the USFL folded up and those opportunities. I got married and I had a baby. And, um, you know, that kind of changes your perspective on things, uh, you know, when you're when you've got new responsibilities. And uh, it, it just felt like it was kind of the end of the road for me that I needed to go on and accelerate my adulthood. <laughs> so to speak.
4: <laughs> what was your uh, most notable moment while playing for the Stallions? Is there a specific game or play that comes to mind?
6: Oh my gosh. You, you know, back then uh, I thrived on the excitement of the game and, and hitting quarterbacks. And uh, anytime I could get in the game and, and get a clear shot on a quarterback, it, it was probably the most exciting thing in my life that I've ever done um uh just uh, just the pure joy you know having come from newberry college of nai school that was in the south atlantic conference and playing against you know a little bit bigger guys than high school and then being on a stage with guys that have been in the nfl and uh, previous and post usfl it was just a real honor to be out there and i always felt like i was uh you know, like I had a little chip on my shoulder. Like I had something to prove that I wasn't as good as them, but every every Sunday I got a chance to prove it, and that was that was worth living for back then, you know? Uh,
2: continuing on uh, sacking the quarterback, because both you and my partner Christian Miller had done that for a living, but um, how many of your sacks would have been flagged in today's football?
6: <laughs> well, you, you know it was funny in 1985 they op we opened camp and the coach got up to the podium and he said you know we we did pretty good last year we led the league in offense we were number one in rushing our defense was number one we you know we we're second in this we we're third in that and one area of concern is we had led the league in personal fouls and, <laughs> and we had 17 and one guy had 14 and all of my teammates turned and looked at me and um you know, it's a different game now, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of my sacks I think would have been flagged, uh, and a lot of my hits were borderline late. But I called it playing through the whistle, and um, you know that was my motivation was to always play through the whistle. But if I if I ran ten or more yards and got close to a quarterback, you can bet I was going to take a shot on it.
4: Rightfully so. <laughs> are there any? I earned my flags. <laughs> yeah. Are there? Are there any? Uh, when, when you look back on it, are there any any moments that you think, man, uh, if I could just go relive that that one, right? It, I want to, I want to kind of you know dig deeper on on the USFL. Like, what, what was it really like playing uh, in the USFL? Was it because you spent some time in the NFL as well? Was it pretty? Was it pretty similar or comparable? Um, that you would say.
6: I think mean, is very comparable. You know, the top ten percent of the teams in our league, I think, could have competed in the NFL. I think we could have with the lower echelon of the NFL. I think the Philadelphia Stars could have. I, you know, they were certainly the elite of our league. Um, um, you know, so I think the quality of our league from the from the mid to the top was was. As good as the bottom of the NFL, and could have could have competed there. Sure do. You
2: played you played for an old school offensive line coach, uh, won uh, Super Bowl championships with the Steelers and Raleigh Dodge, and um, one of the toughest, hard nosed coaches I've ever been around. But uh, he was also a very compassionate man. You know, as a as a media member, I learned. From Raleigh, Let me give you a real quick quote. We were sitting around, and he was about to sing, Oh, Danny Boy. You, you know what that means, Herb? Uh, yeah. it, it means yeah. that the, uh, the Irish whiskey had come out. God, what a, what a pleasure he was to be around, particularly in those moments. But we were talking about the media, and he said, you know, Matt, here, here's the deal. If I'm winning, I don't need you, and if I'm losing, you can't help me. And I've remembered that all my life. From a coaching, <laughs> and that's from a player standpoint too. But that was very typical of Raleigh Dodge. Do you have some thoughts and just reflections on Raleigh Dodge?
6: Well, Matt, those times in Birmingham were the best times of my life, and Raleigh Dodge was a man who demanded respect, but he also gave you respect, and he bonded with you every day during stretching exercise he would walk around and he would converse with you about your life about your things he was interested in you as a human being not just as a football player what you could do for him and um you know he was he was like uh, the compassionate father that uh, i never had i had a father but he was the mean coach that was always out you know coaching the team and uh, getting me away from my mother so he could beat up on me a little bit. But Raleigh was a guy who, you know, if you, if you kept your nose clean and did what you were supposed to do, Raleigh gave you respect as a human being. And, and I tell you what, most players love him and, and really missed him when he passed away early back then.
4: When you watch today's game, are there any, any rule changes that you uh, would like to see made or um, anything that you feel, um, you know, you watch the XFL and they experiment with, with some different things um, that we might be uh, seeing implemented in the NFL. Are there any any things that you might want to see implemented moving forward in today's game?
6: Not really. Um, you know, I don't particularly like some of the gimmicks they do and with the extra points and some of the other things. Uh uh, the one thing that really gets me is, you know, the protection of the quarterback. I get it. The value of having a, a good quarterback on your team or a franchise quarterback and protecting him is important, but uh, some of the ticky-tack stuff they they do now um, really annoys me. You know, I'm, I live in Nashville now, and uh, I'm a Titans fan, and, um, you know, we've got Ryan Tannehill there as a quarterback, and you know he's he's capable and and a good quarterback but um gosh he gets hit a lot and um you know some of those hits are hard but some of them are ticky-tack and they they go down and they they now you can draw a flag you know mm-hmm. so um you know we, you've got equal players out there everybody's trying to earn a living. and for those guys that, like me, that love to rush the quarterback and hit a quarterback, I think it's a shame that they can't experience what we had to experience back in the 80s. What
4: was your favorite pass rush move?
6: Oh, my gosh. It, it was probably the one where I had the uh, running back out in the flat, and I just ignored him and rushed the quarterback.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that always seems you know, to work.
6: <laughs> if the quarterback wasn't even looking at him, I said, "Heck with that guy, I'm going to quarterback." <laughs> but uh, you know, back you know, the Stallions in uh, in 1985 and 1984 and 85, we had the best defense in the league, and um, we uh, in the in the locker room before the game, we passed the hat around and, and everybody put money in there. We called it the sack pot. And there might be five hundred, six hundred bucks in the sack pot. Whoever got the most sacks won the pot of money. So, uh, you know that was a big thing—a six hundred dollar cash bonus at the end of the night was worth fighting for, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we uh, yeah. we passed that hat around. We let the coaches participate too. anybody that had any cash in their pocket, it went in the hat for the sack pot before the game. No
2: bounties, well, though, right? <laughs> yeah, no Peyton Gate here, right? <laughs> No Payton Gate. It was all cash. Organized Uh, by the players. uh, Herb, I'd give the name of the golf course, but I'm afraid too many people would show up. But there is about to be an event on a golf course with you and several of our really, really good friends. Uh, I imagine you're going to have a really, really good time. And I will see you either tonight or tomorrow sometime. I look forward to, to shaking your hand and talking about some of those old times again. Thank you for being with us, Herb.
6: That's awesome, Matt. Thanks for uh, hosting. And by the way, we'll be back in May for the Stallion reunion. A lot of my teammates will be in town, and we'll be back at the Stallion game that weekend. So thanks a lot, Matt.
2: Two cool stuff. Thank you. Thanks, Herb. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. I don't do this. Yeah, no, get out of here. I'm going to tell a story on you later. (laughs) If you can listen. (laughs) Thank you, Herb Spencer. We'll be back with more of Big Noon Sports in a
1: moment. Down to the plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports, the best sports talk in the state. Tide
0: 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hey DC, here to World championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: Matt Coulter along with Christian Miller and Joe Gaither on this Friday afternoon as uh, we continue to talk just a little bit more about the USFL. The Stallions will be playing the Generals uh, at 7 o'clock Saturday night. There are still tickets available and pretty pr- plenty of good ones as uh, they're going to play at Protective Life. Just uh, tell you a real quick Herb Spencer story. By the way, he has the coolest Nick uh, middle name. His middle name is Seabrook, Herbert Seabrook. It's just it's a great name, Spencer. So uh, back in the day, we were all about the same age. The media guys, a lot of us were the same age as the players. In fact, a lot of the players like Joe, Joe Gibbs and Cliff Stout were older than us. But we had a softball team, and they joined our softball team. And Cliff played, Pat Sandin played, Tom Banks, the legend, played, um, and Herb played. And we're we're a good team. Uh, we competed at a very high level here in Birmingham, but we welcomed them with open arms. But I, I found out real soon difference between a baseball player and a football player, which I played a little baseball. But um, Herb ended up in left center, and I was a left fielder, and I was you know I was okay. Um, they had a fly ball to left center, and and I drift over and I called him off. You don't call off a linebacker, Christian. Uh, he plowed through me and laid me out in left field, and I think I had to shake my head. if I saw stars. Oh, And man. so <laughs> you, you don't – if I ever write a book, it should be called Don't Call Off a Linebacker. He snowplowed
4: me. Wow. He's still probably a good size, right?
2: Uh, yeah. He. Well, this is while they were playing. He, oh. I think his playing weight, he was 6'3". Uh, about like you. I think he was six three, two thirty.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, that'd definitely probably knock you out.
2: <laughs> well, and I was uh I was a little bit smaller then, so I came off my pins pretty easily. But um it was a great group of guys and, and like he said, it was uh it was time of our life. Um and because Raleigh was so frank and honest with the media, uh we all had great respect for him too, uh even when we had to be critical. But uh, the team was there. uh, The spirit was there. And I see a lot of it today. I just don't see as much. And that's because we, you know, we all have so much going on in our lives. Uh, Spring league. Uh, Christian, you've seen this team. You've watched them. Um, Is it? I want to ask you, I think this league is a tad better than the XFL. Am I wrong? With the exception of one A.J. McCarron.
4: Matt, I have to be honest with you. I've only watched a couple games of them from last year. Um, probably not enough to really gauge, you know, uh, give them a fair assessment between the two. Um, I do think from what I've seen that they they definitely do have talent in this league. I think they uh, are very exciting to watch and they're very capable of uh, sustaining, um, however, I will say from the games that I've watched of the XFL with AJ McCarron and uh, my former teammate Mo Smith, Maurice Smith, he played here defensive back, transferred to Georgia. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Matt, the XFL is is, is very exciting, and yeah. they've also just signed a couple more guys. I think Philip Lindsey, uh, Philip Lindsey, who's a you know a very notable running back um, in the National Football League. Um, You got Josh Gordon, wide receiver um, Who's definitely had his troubles Of, you know, staying off the commissioner's list In the NFL, but, you know, superbly Talented I I, I think, I'll be honest I think the USFL Has a, you know, a tough task um, Of kind of, and I'm not saying they can't uh, You know, match up with The XFL, but this past season or This season of the XFL so far has been Some really good football, some really entertaining football And, um i think honestly it's great to have both leagues yeah i don't know how realistic it is t- for both of them um to be able to sustain and um I- i'm sure they could maybe figure something out because uh, if i'm if i'm not mistaken i think they both have separate like uh you know corporations backing them right and then like fox is with one group espn maybe is the other or whoever's with xfl whatever they have backing yeah, them. you got it um but, yeah, I, I like both of them. I mean, look, anytime football is on, I think a lot of people are happy. And um, I, I love the the idea of giving guys opportunities um, to play outside of the NFL because, unfortunately, and I'll be the first one to tell you, there's so many guys that are capable of playing football on a professional level, but there's just not enough spots in, in the NFL. And that's why I think it's so important for, for there to be leagues like this because these guys are able to go showcase that. They should be uh, still playing football. They have the ability to play football, even if it's not necessarily on the NFL level. Um, the XFL and the USFL are great opportunities for, for football players that want to continue their career. So I love both leagues, and uh, I'm excited for the USFL to start. And most notably, I'm excited to watch the Stallions and Bo. But I will say, uh, Ruben Foster will be making his USFL debut, and really? I'm extremely excited for that. Yep, I think he actually is playing in Birmingham. Uh, Sunday, maybe. I think he's with Pittsburgh's team, but they, they might be playing in Birmingham. I might have that wrong, but when I was talking to Anthony Jennings, I think he had mentioned that because he planned on going and watching him. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of people, if you if you need something to do this weekend, definitely go check out the USFL games. Uh, obviously, everybody's going to be going for the Stallions, but if you're an Alabama fan, I believe Reuben Foster will be playing. Um, I'm not sure what day it is. I'll try to get more details on that, but uh, yeah I'm definitely looking forward to that because you know he's one of my favorite players I played with and I'm uh, really happy to see him back on the football field Matt
2: now our previous guest Herb Spencer did not have the athleticism that Foster did and has but they both played with the same mentality
4: <laughs> oh yeah I need. Mean, yeah, I, w- oh. I wish I wish they had more access to like these this tape and film I, I loved it when we have some of these guests on that kind of played a little you know further back uh, beyond my years I can kind of just pull them up and, and watch some tape on them <laughs>
2: Um, Yeah, and I I have an observation about their uniforms, and I want to talk about the possibility of having a new quarterback helmet in the NFL on the other side of this break. But I will say this, uh, Christian, and my limited research into both of these leagues, first of all, two spring leagues, you know, there are a lot of people doubting whether or not one could make it, but I think both of these leagues are making it and flourishing. But... uh, I think maybe you're right on the quality of play or just the overall talent level because I, I think the XFL plays, pays a little bit more. Is, is that what you would believe?
4: I think they might pay a little bit more. And, 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 I, and I, like I said, I wish I'd, I had a little more, you know, uh, experience with both of them to really give more on them. But I will say, I, for some reason, when I watch the XFL, it does a little it looks a little more put together than what I kind of saw from the USFL last season. But then again, this is the usFL's second season. So I'd imagine they're going to take a big leap this season. And then I'm sure they've had time to kind of watch the XFL and see the kind of the things that they've been able to incorporate and kind of what they've been doing. And I'm sure they'll implement that as well. So yeah, I, I, but I'm with you. I am I, I, I love having two different leagues. Um, and yeah, I'm looking at it now. So Reuben Foster plays for the Pittsburgh Maulers. Um, and so they must guess,
2: play the Breakers
4: Sunday. Yep, they play the New Orleans Breakers uh, wow. April 16th at 5.30. Um, so if you want to watch Ruben Foster play, he'll be on the, uh, the Pittsburgh Maulers playing against the New Orleans Breakers.
3: ESPN reports that XFL is paying $5,000 per week with a $1,000 bonus uh, per, per win. So one player can make $60,000 per, per season, including bonuses. USFL on the other side pays $4,500 per game, which mm-hmm. works out to $45,000 for a season. So it's about a 15 grand difference, but I, I, I'm not sure how much time difference it is, is for each league either. Thanks, Joe. No, man, you're on Great it. Great info.
2: I I do remember reading specifically that in the XFL, quarterbacks, i.e., AJ McCarron, can make up to eighty, and maybe even with bonuses, a hundred thousand dollars. So, but still, you're taking a what a million and a half pay cut. Way to go, AJ. We'll talk football equipment on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Big Noon Sports
1: from T town to the plane. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big News Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United
7: States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers
6: who are resilient
7: and won't take no for an answer. We're here
8: for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation. Of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory
7: over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. It's the
9: Tuscaloosa Community Calendar, powered by Pepsi.
10: Join the fun at the Help Holt Heal fundraising event Sunday, April 16th from 1 to 4 p.m. Live music from Boondock Saints and Brandon Malone and Whiskey Over Ice. Food, soft drinks, activities for children and adults. And special guest, Big Al, at the Downtown Social, 420th Avenue. Get your tickets now at helpholtheal.com Raffles, store prizes, and silent offerings. On some really beautiful items. And guess who's the MC?
8: Yep, it's me. I'm Captain Ray. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street, across from the home two suites. Come down to R and see where we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination.
7: you their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel, redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops Apparel, clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the, Miz the Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel, redefined. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives
12: us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA. An equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters
5: Association. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy. A few scattered showers are possible this afternoon. The high 68. Tonight clearing with a low at 55. Tomorrow partially sunny and warm. The high 81. Sunday a good chance of showers mainly during the morning hours. The high 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to
0: know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 129 app today. Score!
2: Back on Big News Sports, Matt's along with Christian and Joe. Appreciate all of you dialing us in. Remember, we are available online now. Website, bignewsports.com. Also, we have a Twitter account at Big Noon Sports, all pretty simple stuff. And if you're listening through the stream, we appreciate it very much. We have our main affiliate there in Tuscaloosa, but also over in East Alabama with Aniston and Gadsden. We appreciate everybody uh, listening in. And uh, by the way, tell your friends, uh, we're here every day from noon until two. So thanks to that. Kristen, I don't know how much you end up watching some of the old or older films, like um, even back to when your dad was playing, uh, but mainly in the 80s. Uh, if you watch this, and, and when I see the old Stallions game, and, and I see Alabama and Auburn games from back there, their shoulder pads made them look like they were all refrigerators. <laughs> they were just so tall and squared. Have you seen that in and, and, – uh, I guess that equipment has come a long way too, because they're not nearly as big anymore.
4: Absolutely, I'll be honest with you. That's what I used to look like in high school. We had a, uh, <laughs> we had a coach. His name was uh Rick Crumpler. He was a big old school guy. These big bifocal glasses, straight Southern guy. He was rocked up though, man. He was. I mean, he was probably sixty, but I mean, he 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 used to be bench pressing two twenty five, repping it out in the weight room. Um and he was just so intimidating to a lot of <laughs> a lot of people. He just loved to yell. He was our uh offensive line coach. Um, but he always was um you know designated to, you know, do the equipment checks and and get you fitted. <laughs> and uh I just think back to when I was in high school and you know, I was, you know, real skinny, but I had broad shoulders, you know, real real basketball player type build. And uh he used to always make sure those shoulder pads covered every inch of your shoulder um when he when he was assessing if if your pads were correct. And so I always ended up with like one of the largest size shoulder pads. But again, I was only like 190 pounds. Like I, like I was built like a receiver, but I had these broad shoulders. So he would give me the the biggest shoulder pads possible. <laughs> so, so I look so I look so awkward. Sometimes I look at these pictures. I'm like, why I, I look? It made me look massive. But underneath those shoulder pads, I was only 190 pounds. But I'd have like three X shoulder pads, and Coach Crumpler would make sure they would cover every part of his shoulder. But yeah, they've come a long way because. Um, once I started getting older, I used to try to go for the smallest pair of shoulder pads I could find, pretty much, but still have that coverage. That way, I was able to have the protection I needed. But I liked feeling mobile, right? I didn't want to feel all stiff and, and not being able to move because these pads are flopping around. Like I remember the old big pads we used to wear. Used to when you'd run, you'd feel them yeah, flopping they would on clap. your shoulders. They'd clap on your shoulders. Like nowadays, guys have these little shoulder pads that barely even cover. Um, I mean, I'm talking about they, I mean, you barely can even see them. Um, everything is just getting smaller. It seems like, um, in terms of pads, you know, guys barely wear, I remember when I was a kid used to wear butt pads, hip pads, a hip pad uh. just to hang up out of the pants. I'm <laughs> sure you've seen that. Remember playing pop Warner, hip pads, would be hanging out, sticking out of your pants, out of your girdle. Knee pads are so bulky. I mean, knee pads are about the size of thigh pads. And uh, man, it's just changed nowadays. You know, guys cut knee pads to where they're probably two by two um, in, in size and, you know, don't really wear butt pads anymore. Yeah, the game's just changed so much. So I'm sure it will continue to change.
2: Yeah, but they're better protected. Uh, even though there's uh, fewer or lighter pads, they're they're just better pads. But did did your uh, Pop Warner football pants have little slots where you put put in the knee and the thigh pads, and then little buttons on the back where you
4: clipped in the hip and the butt pad? Man, that brings back memories. That's spot on. <laughs> yeah, and these I used to have those thick thigh pads, those big old round knee pads, and like I said, oh yeah, those those clip in. Uh, you, you just yeah, you, know, you snap them on there, but and i don't know. I don't know those those hip pads, man, now I' think back on them, they they were this this weird shape, and they used to legit like come up out of your pants like four inches yep, to the top, yeah, yeah. they stick out like four inches, and then I remember by the time in high school i, I don't even, i think I used to wear in high school, Nike had made a girdle with all the pads, so I used to just wear that girdle because it had like the built in little hex knee pads, thigh pads. And it was, to me, I liked it. A lot of people didn't like it. They felt like it was a little more restrictive. But, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was probably around middle school by the time I outgrew those uh, those big old thigh uh, Not thigh pads, those big old hip pads <laughs> and snap-ons.
2: I remember um, the quarterbacks,
4: when they first started
2: wearing, um, like, rib protectors. Um, and, and they were, I could not understand how quarterbacks could be mobile because it was just like having a pad from your ribs around to your spine. And it, it seemed like it would restrict your throw and all that kind of stuff. But speaking of quarterbacks, uh, let's talk about what I think maybe end up the, the Tua helmet that they're uh, working on in the NFL. We'll talk about that next hour a little bit more on the Stallions. Uh, hey, some notes from Alabama basketball I want to pass along, too. You're listening to the Big Name Sports.
0: 9 app today
8: Hey, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar and spirits destination. You've probably
7: seen their clothing around town on game days, but- Check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel, redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops Apparel, clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athletes fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the, Miz the main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel, redefined
9: It's the Tuscaloosa Community Calendar, powered by Pepsi.
10: Join the fun at the Help Holt Heal fundraising event Sunday, April 16th from 1 to 4 p.m. Live music from Boondock Saints and Brandon Malone and Whiskey Over Ice. Food, soft drinks, activities for children and adults. And special guest, Big Al, at the Downtown Social, 420th Avenue. Get your tickets now at helpholtheal.com Raffle store prizes, and silent auction on some really beautiful items. And guess who's the MC? Yep, it's me. I'm Captain Ray. From
1: our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation.
2: Across the United States. And from around the world. As respected industry leaders. We are here.
11: Working hard for you. In an effort to provide you with.
9: Excellence in sports
7: medicine. Excellence in research and education.
11: And excellence in sports injury prevention.
7: We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing. Victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Coming up up on the game with Ryan Fowler.
3: Coming up on the Friday edition of the game, we'll feature Pete Futak, collegefootballnews.com, Brent Beard, all part of Free For All Friday, sponsored by Brian Harden Construction. Brian Harden Construction, Free For All Friday, starts at 2 o'clock right here on the game on Tide 100.9. The home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports.
9: The longest running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
0: A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app
1: welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller.
2: Welcome to the Friday afternoon edition with Matt and Christian. Joe Gaither is with us back tied. Tide. Uh, Lars taking a day off with family, school deal. Uh, headlines, Eli Gold plans on being back in the booth for the uh, fall of 23. That is good news for all. Stallions and the Generals tomorrow night to open the USFL season. Um, other things going on, Alabama-Auburn played baseball this weekend at the Joe um, the Atlanta Braves are traveling again. there at Kansas City. And Alabama basketball appears to be on the verge of hiring one of three coaches they need to replace for next season. This is Ryan Pannon. Boy, this guy has a resume. He's not old, but he has a resume from Europe to Erie, Pennsylvania to Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm not saying that's a done deal, but it certainly leans in that direction. I wanted to ask you about an article that Mike Rodak wrote earlier today, Christian, um, about the three Alabama players that will be attending the NFL draft. Uh, You would expect uh, Bryce and Will Anderson to be a part of that. Um, when I started thinking of a third, I immediately thought of Brian Branch. And as I read the article by Mike Rodak on AL.com, indeed, it turned out to be uh, Brian Branch. Is that a stamp that you're a first rounder?
4: No, but it's a good indication that um, there's a, a strong chance you could be, um, but definitely not a stamp. Uh, I've seen a handful of guys that go and they end up sliding out of that first round. You know, typically they end up they end up, they end up being taken. Um, early in the second round, um, but they're not necessarily first round picks. And uh, it is a little disheartening to some guys because they go and they have the vision of, you know, walking across the stage, being a first round selection. Um, but unfortunately, that just doesn't happen. But but again, I mean, there's a, sl- a strong indication that she will be, um, you know, selected in the first round, but it's, it's, there's no guarantees. I mean, um, off the top of my head, some of my teammates that, that might have happened to, uh, I think Cam Robinson might ended up being picked like one of the, the second or so pick in the first or second, maybe third pick of the second round. Um, Landon Collins, if I'm not mistaken, ended up sliding to the second round. Jaron Reed, I believe may have Derek Henry, uh, probably one of the more notable ones. So the, yeah, that, I think that's four guys or so that, that, uh, we expecting to be first rounders. and Then, um, ended up sliding to the second but uh, in my opinion i think branch is the well here's our right, let, let's go back so you said it was bryce young will anderson and brian branch
2: yeah i believe that's what i read
4: all right so the first two i mean they're, they're stamped uh brian branch i think he's the the number one safety in this draft if that's the case there's a good chance he'll go in the first round but it really just depends on how it plays out because teams might have other needs Basically, what I'm getting at is if a team needs a safety in the first round or they're just going by best players still available, I think he's definitely a lock for the first round. Um, But there's a chance that he could maybe have that path of maybe ended up sliding to the second round, being like the first or the top three picks of the second round. Um, but I definitely say, obviously, I think anybody um, in their right mind would agree that Bryce Young and Will Anderson are locks for the first round. Um, Branch, I, I would say it's probably a 75% chance he's a first-rounder. What do you say, Matt? You think you think he's a quality first-round draft pick?
2: I do, and I really, really love the way he advanced his game <clears throat> this past season. Because, And you're the defensive guy, okay? Uh, I know a little bit. I observe from the sideline. But I really thought going into the season that Jordan Battle was going to be your guy. Mm -hmm. But um, you actually saw it a little bit of a flash at the end of 21. And then Branch just played great in 22. So didn't you think going into maybe last year that Jordan would be the the higher of the safeties?
4: Yeah, because I think he also was um, one of the guys that people thought he might have uh, left the year prior. I think he ended up returning. And so I think that's why you know there was so much more attention on him he had um you know had significant play the year prior and ended up returning to school hoping to kind of solidify himself as a first rounder I'd imagine um try, you know probably trying to you know finish some unfinished business um but yes you're correct I think all the eyes were kind of on Jordan Battle even probably some on uh Helms as well I think Branch was kind of flying under the radar but as the season progressed, like you just alluded to, he really came on the scene as the guy. And I think, you know, the biggest reason for that was anytime you just watched Alabama's defense play, he always just stood out, right? And those are the type of guys that, they, that separate themselves. And I know that seems kind of obvious, but it's true, though. When you turn on tape, you might say you, you turn on tape to watch, you know, a defensive end. You're, you're going to watch Will Anderson but you keep seeing 14 flash on the screen. Those type of players, you know, have that it factor because you're going to watch somebody else, but they just keep showing up. They keep showing up. And I think he was that guy uh, to a lot of these scouts and a lot of these uh, uh, personnel members of these organizations. I think all eyes were on Will Anderson of that defense, but they just kept seeing 14 show up. They see him showing up in the run game. They see him being brought on these blitzes, uh, pressuring the quarterback, You know, delivering big sacks, um, you know, high point in the football, you know, really good in coverage, you know, really good technique with his coverage, so many pass deflections, just an all, uh, all around overall, just baller, right? And he can just play football, that's what he's, he's good at. He's just a, a great football player, and uh, I, I really think that he solidified himself, um, to be worthy of a first round pick. And, and uh, I think he's going to have a tremendous uh NFL career. Kind of reminds me of somebody like the Honey Badger almost, uh, Tyra Matthew. Uh, kind of yeah. just really dynamic, um, physical guy. Um, and he's obviously a little bit bigger than Tyra Matthew. Um, but, you know, again, talking about a guy who can kind of do it all. You can bring him on blitzes. He can drop in coverage, hold his own, um, help you out with the run support. There's really not much that he can't do, and uh, I think he definitely made himself a lot of money uh, this past season.
2: You know, if I just got my count right, and I'll give the website – proper nfldraftbuzz.com mm-hmm. they have either 13 or 14 alabama players <laughs> predicted to be drafted wow that's not free agents but i want to go through a couple because you know some of these guys are ranked maybe a little higher than i thought some a little bit lower mm-hmm. but the next guy on this is jameer gibbs um you just don't find speed like that every day. And that's why he'll probably go second round.
4: Absolutely. I mean, and my comp for him would be Alvin Kamara. I know a lot of people say that, but I think it, it rings true when you just turn on the tape, you watch Jameer Gibbs. Um, he's just so dynamic. Talking about a guy that, that's kind of like a you know, human joystick, it's so elusive, will make you miss. But what really sticks out to me is well, well, two things. One, you really can line him up anywhere. I mean, you could put this guy in the slot. He's a mismatched nightmare, trying to have linebackers cover him. Strong safeties are going to struggle trying to cover him. Um, you really can move. You can send him in motion. Just do so many different things with him. He catches the ball great out of the backfield. But he also runs really well between the tackles. But what I think uh, really separates him is, if, is his speed, man. If you watch him, when he makes those cuts... His breakaway speed, man is second to none i mean he he is just so tough to uh, to keep up with and and again he makes these cuts just look so easy so effortlessly and I was out there at pro day and uh, just looking at the faces of these scouts and coaches that were watching him because he just moves so so well right i mean' it's, he just he makes it look so easy great footwork and he just glides it, it, it is, you can't even believe he's moving so fast but yeah, I definitely think uh that makes a lot of sense I, I think that's yeah, you could even see him. He's the type of guy that I wouldn't be surprised if somebody, obviously, I think the running back that a lot of people are paying attention to is a guy from Texas. I think there's a lot of buzz about him. Oh, Robinson. Being, yeah, HB. yeah, yeah. Now, I think he's going to be the first running back taken. Um, so second round seems likely for uh, Jameer Gibbs just because running backs typically don't go in the first round too often. Um, but if somebody, again, I just takes one team to fall in love with you and they feel... That he could really, you know, help them out and they don't really have an area of need um, That they feel like the first round uh, is where they need to get that, that player Then I can see him going I mean, just imagine, Matt, if you take a guy like Jameer Gibbs And, and put him in an Andy Reid Chiefs offense, right? You're saying, that, I mean, to me, like that would just be unfair You give a, a guy like that Now, I know they drafted that that running back from last year, Pacheco, I think And uh, he was phenomenal for them um, last season. But still, though, I mean, it's if you're a team like the Chiefs, one of these teams that has a lot of weapons, has a lot of guys already. Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't count out, you know, a guy like Jameer Gibbs. But that's just me just because I know the impact. Somebody with his, uh, you know, just ability and his athleticism, I, I know the impact that he could make on a team like that.
2: This is a good topic, and we've only touched on three or four or five of the players. By the way, this particular website indicates that uh, as many as five players, like you were just talking about, as many five Alabama players could be among the first 32 selected. So <clears throat> that's a positive thing, and there's no question that you say this just about every time. As, <clears throat> man, how... How good does that look on recruiting when uh, all these high school players are watching the NFL draft, as you know, they're going to as they're going to do. Hey, we'll continue uh, going through some of these guys because draft is what is it next Thursday? Have I got that right?
4: I think so. Uh, And that's man. Tuesday. Tuesday. There I go. Two Thursdays. Sorry, Joe. I was trying to read you. Uh, Two Thursdays. (laughs) Two Thursdays. There we go. Um, Man, has that become a, 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 you know, what do they call it now?
2: appointment oh, and man. Man, people now have parties i did one last year it was great oh yeah have a party let's eat some steak and drink some beer uh <laughs> i'm not gonna go into beer right now um although there is uh there's word that bud light may lose some really major sponsorships in sports i don't know if i want to go political today but we are going to come back in a minute on big news. why not <laughs> yeah let's go
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It's the Tuscaloosa
9: Community Calendar, powered by Pepsi.
10: Join the fun at the Help Hold Heal fundraising event Sunday, April 16th from 1 to 4 p.m. Live music from Boondock Saints and Brandon Malone and Whiskey Over Ice. Food, soft drinks, activities for children and adults. And special guest, Big Al, at the Downtown Social, 420th Avenue. Get your tickets now at helpholdheal.com. Raffles, store prizes, and silent auction on some really beautiful items. And guess who's the MC? Yep. It's me. I'm Cabin Ray. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa
5: weather. Mostly cloudy. A few scattered showers are possible this afternoon. The high 68. Tonight, clearing with a low at 55. Tomorrow, partially sunny and warm. The high 81. Sunday, a good chance of showers, mainly during the morning hours. The high 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
2: Back on Big Noon Sports, need to make a correction here. Said as many as five Alabama players could go in the first round. That actually is four. Uh, Jordan Battle is predicted to go mid-second. So the first first four from Alabama would be Bryce, Will, Branch, and Gibbs. After that, I am just name the other players they expect to be drafted. This is not uh, signing free agency. Uh, I mentioned battle. Then you got Eli Ricks, who I never really thought came into his own um, at Alabama after his transfer from LSU, and he might go into the NFL and play ten years. Uh, Henry Toa Toa, uh, make mark that one, Christian, because I want to come back to him. Uh, you like Byron Young? I do too. Tyler Steen, the offensive lineman, and um, um, Okior um, Emil. O'Keefe, is it Okior uh, Junior? DJ Dale. Cameron Latu may be a steal. Uh, DeMarco Hellams, uh and Jalen Moody are all listed on this particular website inside the top picks for seven rounds and 32 teams. I want to go back to Henry Toa Toa. He, uh, he was a leader. He's a smart player. Um, he looks to me like a guy that could go and play 10 very, very successful years at linebacker. And from what I remember, he was... He got banged up a little bit. He's pretty durable too, which you better you better be if you're going to play linebacker in the National Football League.
4: Yeah, and uh, what what stands out about Henry is a very instinctual guy, very smart football player. Um, two really um, important things, critical things to be a um, a good linebacker, and uh, I think he exemplified both of those. He's a guy that came in from Tennessee. He had a lot of success at Tennessee. Transferred here, and uh, he caught some flack from some of the fan base. Um, And again, it's 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 one of those things where I think people are pointing fingers, but he had no easy job, right? I mean, this guy was a commander of the defense. um, You know, trying to help other guys out, and and I kept telling people he he still even he might not have been perfect, but he still was the nucleus of that defense. And if you removed him, I'm telling you, you know, it would have kind of fell apart because. The way this defense works is you've got to have a guy to be able to command and know what he's doing and get guys lined up and, you know, reiterate you know the, the messages to the guys in the front and the back. And um, I think he did a good job of that. So, yeah, Matt, he's a great leader, very instinctual guy, very smart football player that I, I could definitely see him having a good uh, NFL career, um, probably will make a great impact on special teams. Talking about a guy who also plays special teams here while being the starting line, middle linebacker. Um, so I, I definitely see him, you know, playing some special teams in the NFL, you know, you know, earning a role at the linebacker position and, uh, having a good NFL career as well.
2: Let's go to young inside. Uh, you and I, I think talked about him last year when we were doing our tied pregame shows that, uh, he's a mess in there.
4: Yeah. Yeah. He, um, you know, he wore 47, like I did, but you know, off the field, man, Byron is such a very, you know, he's, he's a, a very good, uh, person, very humble guy, very respectful guy. He's also a really good leader, really good guy to have in your locker room. Um, but on the field, I think he's the guy that flies on the radar, too. You know, his pass rush ability stands out um, very good with his hands. Um, I think that's what stands out to me. Um, very good hand uh, combat You know, very good technique. Um, strong at the point of attack, you know, big, strong hands. You know, he sheds blockers violently. Um, I think he's definitely going to be successful. I think he's going to be picked a lot higher than some people expect. And uh, I think he's going to have a great impact at the next level because you're talking about a guy who plays the run well, very stout against the run, but also has that pass rush ability. I, I see him maybe being taken late second round, um, maybe uh, early third. That's that's where I see him landing, though, second to 3rd roundish. I mean, at the latest, I think early fourth round, but I would say somewhere late second, early third.
2: Can Cameron Latu be a steal? Uh, Maybe, let's see, if I'm doing my math right, they're looking at him like mid-sixth round.
4: Yeah, when you're talking about a guy who um, his junior year, well, I guess it'd be his redshirt junior, so the year prior, you know, he um – did he did he break the tight end record or like for touchdowns or something? He like I, think he did. I think
2: he had two touchdown catches in his first game.
4: Yeah, I was about to, I want to say he had something like uh, like the touchdown record for tight ends. I think he might have broke Irv Smith's record. And I might be misspeaking on this, but for some reason that came to mind. But anyway, his junior year, you know, he definitely had uh, a lot of success, um, especially in the passing game. He really came along at, um, with his technique, you know, in the run game as a blocker, and. Um, yeah, I think they have him projected probably in the later rounds right now, but I can see him moving up I saw him uh, move around and, and run some routes at pro day. He looked great ran a really good 40. I think he told me it was uh, like, like high four fives. Maybe I think his time was or maybe a real low four six put a really good time on his 40 Looked really smooth getting in and out of his breaks um, Didn't drop a pass um and just re- overall great size and, and you know you're talking about a guy who uh <laughs> who started out as an outside linebacker you know he was a, a, <laughs> a freshman outside linebacker in that room with me then he uh made the transition to tight end I remember he used to be complaining to me about it like man I just I don't I just feel awkward man I never I don't know what I'm like and I was like I'll just give it a shot man it's just spring and then sure enough he goes on to end up being you know one of the nation's top tight ends so Um, really cool to see his development and growth at the position after switching from outside linebacker, um, definitely see him, um, being able to contribute at the next level. Um, because again, he, he really came along as a blocker, really physical in the blocking, um, game. And, and I, I think that he's one of those guys who, as he continues to get experience playing the position, he's only going to get better.
2: Uh, let's pick another one out for you to evaluate and then we'll, we'll move on. um, well, he's another linebacker and he would go very, very late. Jalen Moody, would he be he'd be a guy that somebody'd look at uh, for special teams and some backup linebacker?
4: Absolutely spot on Matt. And unfortunately um, I think he he got um injured training because um, he did not participate in pro day. Um I think he might have been in like either a, a boot or something. He um forgot what it was, but um man, I I I love Jalen Moody, he's a South Carolina guy, he's from Conway. And uh, we've actually grown really close. Another guy that was a young pup when I was a uh, senior. Um, you know, I've always kind of been been there for him. But man, you, 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 when you when you saw him get his opportunities, I mean, he can really play ball, and uh, he's always making plays. We saw that in those te- in the Texas games, some of those earlier games, battled some injuries um, his senior year. But when he's in the game, Matt, I mean, he makes plays, and he he has sneaky athleticism. Um, I think his biggest thing is really just kind of just understanding the position a little bit more and just really kind of um, learning, you know, how to play the position because it, it was one of those things where, you know, he's one of those guys, he's just, you know, see ball, get ball. And, and, and it works out a lot of times, but sometimes, you know, he's going to um, make mistakes here and there, especially in the defense like ours. But I think in the right system where you can kind of just let him play free, uh, I think he's more of a wheel linebacker than a mic. I think you kind of let, then another another guy take command, you put him at will uh, or even maybe you know a linebacker in a four three maybe um, yeah, I think he definitely um, could make an impact, but most notably, I think he would you know first and foremost be a special teams guy and and we all know you can you can stay in the national football league eight, nine ten years on special teams alone and yeah. that that really was his strong suit here at Alabama. I mean he was on every special teams unit and he made plays on all those units so um, unfortunately, I think he's probably going to be an undrafted guy, uh, but will definitely um, earn an opportunity, uh, whether that's a rookie minicamp um, tryout or, or, or even just sign in an undrafted free agent deal. Um, but I, and I've talked to him about this. It's, it's not about you know where you go, but it's about what you do when you get there. And it uh, doesn't matter if you're a draft pick or undrafted guy. All you need is an opportunity. And if you go and, and show up and show out at a rookie mini camp and go in to a training camp uh, for a team and show that you have value on special teams at the bare minimum, you have a great shot of making the roster. And that's all that matters. So uh, I think, you know, if he can do that, I think he has a great shot at, uh, you know, playing in the league.
2: Do you think guys like him, and not just with the University of Alabama, but other teams as well, are – because, you know, like when you're a kid, you're in high school, you, all you dream about is playing in the NFL. But do you think now that we have two active spring leagues that – you don't put that first and foremost because you want to play in the National Football League. But is that option – I would think that that would – that's a good thing, a really good thing for guys that want to come out, make $5,000 a week, get better – Learn the schemes, learn the coaches, learn the, the professional style of play.
4: Yeah, um, but just knowing the way these guys think, I think in their head is they're 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 playing in the NFL, yeah. and um, I, I'm sure um, at some point they'll have to come to that decision. If you know if they if they want to continue to play football, there are these leagues, which is a really good thing and uh and it 's not just a an end all thing if they go playing these leagues. I think what we 're also seeing now is these leagues could also be a great bridge for guys that initially you know don't make an n f l roster their first or second year, but then they go into these leagues the x f l or the u s f l and they go out there and, and and they're showing, you know, that, hey, you know, I can compete with the best of the best. You know, I'm um, obviously better than a lot of guys in this league. I deserve another opportunity in the NFL. So I think that's the best way to kind of approach it, that I'm going to go and see what I can do um, with my opportunity in the NFL. If it doesn't work out that first year, I'll fall back on a spring league and uh, maybe I can go out there and prove myself enough to earn another opportunity but yeah i I think that is at least in the back of these guys minds that that know they might be a fringe guy that you know might have a shot in the league but might not necessarily be guaranteed um a, a great opportunity they at least know that hey there's some spring leagues that i'll be able um to join where i can make some money continue to play football doing what i love but also maybe you know if i play well enough earn another opportunity to go back to the nfl
2: Well, it's going to make for uh, Appointment TV uh, next Thursday. Uh, We'll go over some other parts of the draft as we lead up to next week uh, because certainly there are uh, players from Auburn all around the SEC and the nation that uh, are going to be hearing their names called as well. We'll talk about that. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do a little Bud Light on the other side of this break.
1: This is the Big Noon Sports Network.
0: The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
7: Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com.
0: My brother-in-law. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
2: Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Kulfer, one Christian Miller and also Joe Gaither. Uh, just a quick note, because I think this is just uh, shows you that the effort that all of football, particularly the uh, National Football League, is putting into player safety, particularly. So we don't know anything about this concussions and, and the protocol. And uh, it's uh, some of the results of the continuous blows to the head have, uh, well, they have re- <laughs> it's in death. You know, and uh, that's it's, it's extremely unfortunate the NFL has developed or has uh, okayed the use of a new helmet. And and I'm not making light of the subject at all, except listen to the name of this helmet. It's the Vicus Zero Two Matrix helmet. Christian, how'd you like to say that over and over again? Is that it? Vicus Zero Two Matrix what does that mean, Vicus
4: or Vices? I it's V I C I S. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I in my head I always called it Vices, um, but okay. it's probably you would pro- know. No, well, no, no. It's I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, but I, I'm familiar with them. Though I will say that Vicus Vices, whatever, same thing. But they, yeah, I'm familiar with them because um, they've they've had uh, helmets out for several years now. This is just a new version of their helmet. A lot of guys actually have been wearing their helmets because um, they were supposed to be better with impact. Um, but this one, um, I'm reading up on it, and I guess this one is specifically targeting the helmet-to-the-ground impact. Um, like Tua. Exactly, um, correct. So I think it's a good sign that they're you know trying to be innovative, trying to come up with solutions, because this is a serious issue. And, um, you know, player safety is the most important thing, and whatever you can do, to help prevent injuries in the game, you need to be doing it, especially when you're a league like the NFL. I mean, they make so much money. I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't have, you know, just ample amount of money going towards research, not only in helmet designs, but in CTE research and just support for former players. I know they do some things, but um, unfortunately, I just don't think it's enough. Uh, I think they need to continue um, keeping their, their foot on the pedal in terms of, you know, furthering this. And I know... Nothing is. Look, injuries are inevitable in football. I mean, the, the, the injury rate—literally, they tell you it's a hundred percent. So, this whatever you can do to kind of protect guys, because again, we all love to watch football. We love, love watching these, these guys go out there and, and show us their craft and, and their talents. Um, but that, at the end of the day, you know, their safety and their health is what's most important because. Um, outside of that helmet and that jersey these guys are, are, are young men they're brothers they're fathers their sons and uh look they, they they deserve to live a long happy healthy life right especially after the time they've put in um for entertainment because let's be honest i mean at the at the nfl level it's it's pretty much entertainment it's, even though i hate to say that because i always hate it when people call to entertainment because i'm like man entertainment you know how much effort and time and everything i put in this but at the end of the day it's a business and it's entertainment. Um, so, sorry, I'm done with my rant. But yeah, I, I, I like I like what they're doing, trying to be innovative. And uh, again, I've I've heard of this company. I've had teammates that wore this helmet. I actually tried wearing one um, uh, one of my last uh, years playing. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's really important and it's, it's it's vital that that they keep coming up with these things and, and it keeps progressing because right now I feel like concussions kind of uh, are like the main focus, uh, in terms of keeping guys safe because, you know, you, you know, look knee injuries, you can have surgery yeah, you, you might be a little stiff walking around cool, but you know, concussions. So we're talking about something that, you know, could potentially cause, you know, damage that you'd be dealing with for the rest of your life. And, and what we've heard from, you know, you know, stories and stuff from the Aaron Hernandez and, and others, you know, these post-mortem, you know, uh, results show that these guys had CTE. More than likely being caused by these concussions i think this is a great uh step in the right direction
2: i do too <clears throat> and at least they're recognizing that maybe certain positions need to wear a certain a different type of helmet um because there's no question when tua got sacked and uh, his shoulders hit first and then the impact is the back of his head the back of his skull just i mean with great impact Hit, hit the surface but you know yeah. what's interesting hit the ground
4: you know what's interesting matt is from what i've read though they say it's the subconcussive uh blows that you typically see um with the contact and um you know between the the offensive defensive linemen right when they're yep. you know um consecutively you know hitting each other back and forth you know play after play typically they say that um it can can actually cause just as much as will, from uh, damage as you saw from a, like a hit like Tua faced while hitting his head extremely hard, and even though those subconcussive repeated blows, you don't you're not seeing that fencing posture or guys you know having you know, memory loss. But I guess over time, um, it adds up. So I'm curious to see if they they start looking into helmets for that because I think that's just as important. Um, because I mean each play, I mean offense lineman and defense lineman are are clashing. And, yeah, uh, a helmet is a helmet. Yep. Yeah. so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's ever going to necessarily be a way to 100% prevent this stuff, um, but I guess, you know, as technology advances... Something will probably come up, and it wouldn't shock me if five, 10, 20 years down the road, we're looking at some robotic helmets that just magically just I don't know how it'll work, but just 100% proof uh, against concussions.
2: (laughs) Well, the only real way to stop this is just to, you know, not have contact anymore and turn it into seven on seven flag football. And America's not going to put up with that. I'm not saying that we're a gruesome nation, but we like the contact, we like the hits. Yeah. That's all part of the game. And the little time I played and the massive amount of time you played, I like to hit.
4: <laughs> yeah, no.
2: I, I, I like to hit people. I didn't like getting
4: hit. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is fun. I, I will be honest. As I got older, though, the more I was playing, the more I kind of was like, all right, I like hitting, but I'm also going to start being a little smart as well. And I don't know if it's because of the research or just in terms of me just, you know, starting to feel, you know, the the results of contact and blows, but I started being more, uh, I would say a, a much smarter football player as my career progressed, um, you know, through high school and college, just because
2: oh, you mean, and then let me interrupt you, Christian. Uh, and do you mean that in the way you hit, not with the uh, intensity, you would position your helmet differently?
4: Yeah, absolutely. But me, so I'll give you an example. So like when I was lighter, I used to have to bring a lot more force when I was, um, you know, cause again, I played on the edge, right? So I was always one-on-one against guys who were 100 pounds heavier than me, man. You know, I'm 230. These guys are 330. So I had to bring a lot of force and a lot of contact when I'm setting the edge. Well, one technique that I used to use a lot was uh, I used to call, you know, using some mask. And that would basically be when you go to strike, you use a little bit of mask. And you kind of get your eyes under his eyes to get leverage, and a little more force to kind of deliver that contact, to get a little more... Um, You just kind of, you know what I mean? Like a little more pop to kind of give you some more, I don't know how to explain it, explosiveness. Well, certainly let the guy know you're there if you're in his grill. Right, does that make sense? So that that was one versus, you know, if you watch some of these heavy-handed, stronger defenders, especially in the league, And it's probably because, again, they've done it so long, too, where they don't want to keep driving their head. Nobody wants to do that. You'll see them. They legit only use their hands to set the edge because they're just so strong. They can do that. See, I wasn't that strong when I was younger. So I had to use a little bit of mask. But as I got older and I got stronger, I, I, I pulled back on using my mask as much. And I would just stick to my hand technique and just know that I just got to deliver a strong punch with my hands. Right. And to make up for. You know, because again, I used to use my mask to make up for a little bit of that um, lack of strength when I was, you know, lighter. Um, but luckily, once I got stronger, I didn't have to. But yeah, that, that would be an example of what I mean, what I mean by playing smarter, kind of keeping my head out of it if I could, right? Or when I go to make a tackle, uh, making sure, you know, my, my, my eyes are up, my head's to the side. I'm not just, you know, just trying to go deliver a hit and I just duck my head real hard because I've seen guys, man. It's like they just run in the hole, just lower their head, and they're hitting with the crown of their helmet. So not only are they risking a concussion, but they're risking a neck injury, man. And this is yeah. – you got to be careful with that stuff, man. It is, you hate seeing stuff like that. But that's why I think it's important, honestly. It starts when kids are young, and I, I think it's 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 vital that these coaches are teaching correct you know, technique and form to these kids. That way they have it from an early age – and they, they carry it on, you know, through because, yeah, you, you got to be careful with your head and neck in football.
2: Christian, you talk about right, trying out this follow-up helmet before. Three questions uh, about that technique. The, the, the mask then going to the more hands technique, was that coached to you? Did Christian Miller figure that out? And when you switched that particular method, did you lose your – pardon the pun – did you lose an edge?
4: Um, so it was kind of, it was kind of coached to me. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where it kind of came from. Like, it was almost like a, like a, like a tip, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, try using a little bit of mass, kind of, you know, get better leverage and add more of a punch, you know, add some more, some more thump to it, uh, I guess you could say, but, um, yeah, that, yeah. I but to answer your question, did I lose some of that when I stopped using that technique as much, Yes and no. I mean, was I jacking a guy up off my initial strike? Um, Sometimes, yeah. But realistically, what I learned was, I mean, it was almost overkill, right? I mean, there's no need to, like, I can still set the edge just fine and get good knockback with my hands. You just have to play with good leverage to get a good strike with my hands. So, yeah, I mean, but but there was times, but if you did use your mask and got a little more in his grill, yeah, I mean, you might really jack a guy up. But again regardless the edge is still set and if anything you almost put yourself at a disadvantage because when you're that close in contact you're giving them the ability to grab you and hold you versus if you play with your hands only you play with extension especially a guy with long arms like me i didn't need to be that close because all it did was promote me being held when i played with my hands more and used my length and extension kept guys off off of me and i could use my outside arm free technique which is what you're supposed to do when you're playing on the edge. So basically you strike with two hands, you get extension with your inside hand, you lock out, and you keep your outside arm free that way, and the running back does bounce the ball because you're supposed to get the ball kicked back in the inside when you're setting the edge. But if he does decide to bounce it and test your edge, you got your outside arm free. That way you can still make a play with that, that outside arm or violently shed him, then get off the block and make the tackle.
2: Great stuff. Appreciate you bringing that from the edge. Hey, I promise <laughs> we, are going to, we are going to talk about uh, the potential of Bud Light, uh, people dropping them as sponsors. And one particular one that's written about, and I know I have an affiliation with them, so I am not saying this is true, but one that's being reported is out of NASCAR. And uh, the money's uh, kind of mind-boggling. We'll talk about that and wrap up this show this week. Uh, big news for us.
1: This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama,
4: we are here
1: treating patients from every generation across
2: the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make
7: a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers
6: who are resilient
7: and won't take no for an answer.
8: We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation Of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory
7: over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com.
9: It's the Tuscaloosa Community Calendar, powered by Pepsi.
7: Join the fun at the Help
10: Hold Heal fundraising event Sunday, April 16th from 1 to 4 p.m. Live music from Boondock Saints and Brandon Malone and Whiskey Over Ice. Food, soft drinks, activities for children and adults. And special guest, Big Al at the Downtown Social, 420th Avenue. Get your tickets now at helpholdheal.com. Raffles, store prizes, and silent Auction on some really beautiful items. And guess who's the MC? Yep, it's me.
8: I'm Captain Ray. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and
7: Obviously, in their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the strip. It's Luxury Game Day Apparel Redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoop's apparel, clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Mullar Viore, Grayson, and Miz in the Main. And if you haven't tried the, Miz in the Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel Redefined. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to
12: push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOM, PTA, and Federal WIOA. An equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association.
5: Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly cloudy A few scattered showers are possible this afternoon. The high 68. Tonight, clearing with a low at 55. Tomorrow, partially sunny and warm. The high 81. Sunday, a good chance of showers mainly during the morning hours. The high 68. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees. In Tuscaloosa.
0: Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today.
2: Wrap up the show and uh, get a little political here with uh, what's happening with Bud Light. We're all familiar with transgender blunder as far as marketing is concerned. Which the minute I saw this, um, not that I'm a, you know some great forecaster, I knew this was going to blow up in their face. Much as I did 40 years ago when Coca-Cola tried to bring in the New Coke, uh, which is the only thing I can compare this to. Um, estimates from Anheuser-Busch losses go from anywhere to three to five billion dollars. Uh, that's an incredible loss. That's not a small fine like Christian got. And you didn't get a small fine. But that, <laughs> that is a is. huge penalty. And other uh, people, they struck their demographic right in the stomach. And how they go through this mentally, is, it's just beyond me. You know, here, here's my deal. Leave it alone. Why touch it, Christian?
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I guess you... you, you... Reap what you, you sow and um I guess there there's some some backlash over the their decisions. So I mean it it it's uh, I guess it's kind of part of part of marketing. Some things you do um help drive sales and unfortunately others tank your sales. So when you were a, you were, you minored in marketing, did you not? So I didn't minor necessarily in marketing. I was, uh, okay. but, but I did, a, um, what you're thinking of is I I had an internship that I did in Birmingham at a marketing firm. It was okay. called Telegraph Creative, um, in Birmingham. And I, my senior year, I used to drive up to Birmingham and, um, be a part of, um, you know, well, I mean, I was doing an internship, but I helped out a little bit with Telegraph Creative and, uh, yeah. So I have a little bit of experience in there, but yeah, you know, it's just tough, Matt. Cause you know, nowadays I, I feel like people try to follow the crowd, or the, you know these these agendas, and and they think that they have to. Um, but unfortunately, I, I think when it comes to marketing, um, sometimes you need to um, you know understand your 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 clients, right? Your your the people that that purchase your product um, and look at their demographic. And I'm not saying you need to exclude anybody. I'm all for inclusion. But if I'm in charge of marketing and I know um, my my the the people that that purchase my product are are, are one way or whatever. I want to try to market to them and resonate with with with, with them. Um, if I'm trying to be successful in marketing now, if I'm just trying to go on, uh, you know, a political parade or to try to you know follow some other agenda, then that's totally different. But you know, if I'm trying to increase sales, <laughs> I'm going to do it strategically, right? And I think nowadays yeah. we just see people kind of just following trends. And I do. And I, I think what it is really is is. I I hate to say like this, but it's almost like people, these companies feel like they have to follow this agenda, or Uh, else else covering all the bases. Yeah, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to tiptoe. I'm trying trying to tiptoe around it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I think nowadays you almost feel like you have to because if you're one of the few companies that's not following this agenda, then you look bad that way. Then it's like, (laughs) so. Uh, unfortunately, the yeah, I, I think you know they, they kind of put themselves in a compromised position here. But I mean, we saw a similar kind of boycott Nike with the Colin Kaepernick thing that that kind of blew over. I think people were boycotting the NFL. That kind of blew over. I'd imagine this will probably blow over, but um, they definitely upset a lot of their customers. Matt,
2: no question. And if you're gonna get a, a target dem demographic, um, then you're hitting the beer drinkers but if you want to hit inside the beer big uh, the the center of the target is nascar mm. and nascar has more beer drinkers in their group than any other uh any other sport and there is a word now and again this is a report i'm not, uh, this is nothing that i know from the inside with my dealings with nascar that uh there's consideration that they will drop them as sponsor uh and to the tune of 88 million dollars um, now, when it starts getting into that arena, uh, they're going to be in a larger trouble than they are specifically with just the consumer, because that's taking it up another notch. And that that could really hurt them. But uh, and sticking more on the marketing side of this, uh, Christian, have you seen the, the new beer? It's called Ultra Right. And it's marketed and packaged just—it has a lot of similarities to the Ultralight, the tall 12-ounce can. And it is strictly based to combat Bud Light. And, you know, what I've got to say about that, Christian, is, man, why didn't we think of that?
4: (laughs) Probably should have tried to capitalize on it, but— Yeah, we'll 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 catch the next wave. Um, (laughs) Please stay out
2: in front of this, okay?
4: Yeah, we'll 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 catch the next wave for sure. We now that we know what we have to do, we'll uh, we'll catch the next one. (laughs) Well, golly, Uh,
2: and they're evidently making millions and millions and millions. I mean, and you got to think it's some brewery that was already doing so, and they just changed the packaging. Oh, absolutely. uh, That's um, (laughs) that's just incredibly smart and pretty simple when you think about it which makes me feel even worse because i didn't think about it of course i'm not sure i had the resources to pull it off so anyway uh christian what you got up anything for the weekend
4: i don't but uh speaking of this weekend and sponsors let's go ahead and get some thanks to our sponsors want to give a thanks to our friends over at good feet again go over there get fitted for these custom premium arch supports you got nothing to lose. You know, it's, it's kind of a rainy day outside. Go, go get taken care of. Go in there. They, they, they got a foot massager while, while you wait. You know, they'll, they'll show you exactly um, your imbalances that you might have. And go get fitted for these arch supports. Just try before you buy. You've got nothing to lose. I promise you will be satisfied. Um, again, that's Goodfeet over in Midtown Village. Or you can go online and set up an appointment at goodfeet.com. Again, it's, another, it's just a rainy day outside. Head over to R&R Cigars, have a nice cigar, go relax, go, uh, go watch some sports, hang out in the Cigar Mansion over in Tuscaloosa, another great spot. And uh, another thanks to Andrew Sports Medicine, uh, one of our partners. We really appreciate them, everything they do. We were talking about concussions and, and whatnot and, and injuries. We'd love to get those guys on here because they're the best at what they do. And I'm sure they could offer a lot of knowledge on injuries, especially uh, sports-specific injuries because those guys are first class in what they do, and they take such good care of us players, um, uh, specifically over at Alabama, um, Dr. Kane, Andrews, all those guys. So, uh, man, big thanks to everybody um, that's a part of our show. Just wanted to throw that out there, and, uh, yeah. Anything big on your agenda, Matt, uh, for this weekend?
2: Yeah, Saturday night. You know, and I, we just talked to Herb Spencer, one of my good friends from the original Stallions. Um, we'll be getting together, and uh, we'll be having a couple of ultra rights. <laughs> no, <laughs> we need we need to get them to sponsor our show now. Yeah, that'd be um, nice. Yeah, it it really would, especially if we can get trade. Okay, there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
4: that, t- send tell them to send me a non alcoholic version of an ultra right, and I'm good to go.
2: All right, we'll do that. Uh, all good. But no, I'll, I'll watch that game, 7 o'clock, Protective Stadium. You can get tickets now. You can go online and you can just pick them up at the door. So I'll give them a big plug as well because they've been good with this show too. Uh, we'll wrap up the weekend. Everybody just be safe, be careful, and uh, God bless. Thanks, Christian.
4: Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. Roll tight. Roll Tide.